Welcome to Zeitgeist Radio. I'm your host, Morgan Rowe, founder of the Zeitgeist Academy. Zeitgeist means spirit of the times, and it is the collection of cultural forces that all contribute to what it feels like to be alive and part of a dynamic culture. Every episode, I speak with someone from a unique musical subculture. We dig into their passion and explore how music is a powerful force that brings people together. Before we dive into today's interview, I want to offer you something special. If you're like me, you come out of these interviews with all sorts of questions. Each week, after speaking with one of our amazing guests, I dive into something they introduced us to that I find interesting or important. I write a blog post about it and email a nice tidy bundle to your inbox every two weeks. Never miss an exploration of an awesome musical subculture. Join the Academy and sign up for my free newsletter at zeitgeistacademy.com radio. My guest today is Beth Cook, a Muppet enthusiast and founder of OurMuppetMelody.com. Beth, welcome to Zeitgeist Radio. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited. So Beth has been a voice student of mine for over a year, which is yeah. crazy. It's been super fun. Um, so can you tell people kind of who you are musically? Musically, I'm just a fan and amateur singer who's doing it just for the heck of it. And for the Muppets. And for the Muppets. Yeah, <laughs> it should be noted that every single song that I have practiced with you has been a Muppet song. Yes, yes. This is definitely the most interesting um, introduction I ever received for a, a, a new student. Is our, <laughs> our mutual friend was like, I have a friend, Beth, and she wants to sing the Muppets. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Did I hear that right? Like, just the Muppets? And at first, honestly, my thought was, well, we'll run out of content fast. And then now that I'm, I've been like, you know, we've been taking lessons for over a year. I'm like, oh, no, we're not going to run out of content anytime soon. So I'm I'm really excited to have you on and pick your brain about kind of where this whole journey started. And you're you have a blog and I'd love to get into some of this a little bit more and talk about some of the stuff the songs we've done, maybe. Yeah. Um. So can you kind of start like, OK, so I'm assuming you got into the Muppets as a kid, but um, what about the Muppets kept your fancy all these years to the point where you have you know you're you're here now as you are with it yeah I think you know it, it was one of those things that was always just kind of playing as a kid it, it was you know both of my parents were fans which is which is rare they didn't have a lot in common but that was one of the things they had in common and so you know the three of us kids just grew up watching the Muppets as many people of our generations did and I think the more that I allowed myself to dig into that interest the more I found there was there to discover the thing that uh, has always appealed to me ever since I was a kid was just the absurdity yeah and, you know absurdity and fun for for its own sake yeah. it's just because you know fun is a necessary part of being alive but then also that's that's just what gets you in the door like they reel you in with the fun but then they hit you with like the big universal themes of kindness and curiosity yeah. and how all living things are connected to each other. And I some of the songs we've done have been like intense, mm -hmm. intense. Some of the I mean, they don't shy away from some serious subject matter. <laughs> oh, yes. There are songs about, you know, grief and yeah. 
feeling lost and alone in the world. And one in particular that we did, um, it just happens that um, actually, I think we've been doing lessons for it's been almost it must be closer to a year and a half because I'd already been doing lessons with you for a while. And I had a very unfortunate thing happen where I lost a very dear friend of mine. And I actually had to like stop one of the songs we were doing because it was like it was so intense we I mean we didn't stop it stop it right but I think I shared with you like okay I can't teach this song today (laughs) we'll come back around because it was like it was about a friend it was about the loss of a friend maybe they didn't mean like death loss but it was certainly like it was very intense and I honestly uh, I I know the Muppets. I've watched the Muppets a little bit, but like I'm surprised. I'm like taking this whole journey with you. <laughs> you know, the mm-hmm. the teacher becomes the student of like the depth. I've been so impressed with the depth of some of these these songs. They're really well done. They're well written, and they don't shy away from stuff. Yeah, I think it was when I was in high school. This big, beautiful, full color coffee table book called Jim Henson the Works uh, was released, and around that time I had to do a, you know, a high school paper on someone you admire. And I was like, oh, look at that. Um, And so I think that was my gateway into a deeper level of Muppet nerdery. (laughs) Yes, I love it. Yeah. And then, you know, I eventually got uh, connected with the folks over at uh, toughpigs.com. I, you, you know, was just following them for several years. And then I finally got brave enough to say like, hey, I write a Muppets blog and I like what you guys do. Could I maybe write for you guys sometimes? And I've uh, been working with them for the past year and change. And it's been absolutely fantastic to find, you know, the people who are interested in the same thing as you, but to the same level of like super nerddom. (laughs) I love it. So let's go back a couple steps. So what made you want to start? How long have you had your own blog? Uh, oh gosh, that would have been 2013, 14, 15. I know I was still at Evergreen, <laughs> that that era of my life. So right around um, 10 years. Oh my gosh. 2013. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't even want to think oh about 2013. I broke Beth, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I'd been, um, I'd been wanting to find the lyrics online of one of my favorite lesser known Henson projects, uh, which was the tale of the buddy picnic. And one song in particular, you know, the the opening song, they've got two groups of bunnies singing different things over each other at the same time. I'm like, can't understand what they're saying. And I looked online and I could not find the lyrics anywhere. And I was like, well, it's 20 whatever. If it doesn't exist online, it probably doesn't exist at all oh man, I'm going to have to do it myself, aren't I? So I want, so I created a blog. It's called, uh, at first for a long time, it was just Our Melody uh, that I I grabbed the URL, ourmuppetmelody.com. So I I wanted to not just transcribe the lyrics for, you know, the lesser known projects so that, you know, if there is someone else out there in the world who's wondering the same thing that I am, hey, here you go. Here's the lyrics to the Tale of the Buddy Picnic. But also I realized, you know, I have a lot to say about these songs. And, you know, I wanted to give credit to the the lyricists and the musicians who write these songs and, and talk about what these songs mean to me. Yeah. And that we've done that Bunny Picnic song, right? We've done the ending song, which <laughs> it sounds absurd to 
to say to the world that my my favorite protest song is sung by a bunch of Muppet it's bunnies. It's so true. And that, you know, you that's how you phrased it to me. You're like, this mm-hmm. is my favorite protest song. And I was like, what? And then I'm like, oh my God, this is a protest song. <laughs> that one is called Drum of Time. Yeah. But yeah, the, the one that I still haven't been able to finish the lyrics for because like when I posted it, I was like, okay, here's my best guess. And, you know, if anyone's reading this, you know, chime in with your best guess and maybe we can piece this together. And I have definitely gotten those comments that have been super helpful. Nice. Um, but that one particular song, uh, it's called Hello Sunshine. Like the slower verse is is easy to figure out, but the faster verse, I just cannot fit all the pieces together because, <laughs> I don't know, maybe someone who worked on the project has gotten gotten it written down somewhere. Right, right. Have you ever reached out to anybody? It's- I didn't at first because I had no connections. And now that I'm just, I'm really kind of one of the newbies over at Tough Pigs, but they've got connections. So maybe someday I'll reach out you'll, to someone who someday has you'll on that finish, project. 10 years later, you'll finish the lyrics. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. yeah I, before we move on, do you want to tell people why that's a protest song? Oh, oh, man. I don't so, want to leave them hanging, you know. <laughs> honestly, the tale of the bunny picnic, it sounds so vapid but it's an incredibly meaningful piece that really is all about like the cycle of the abuse of power like you know you've got this community of bunnies who are just trying to live their lives and you know the the youngest sibling bean this is the the origin story of bean bunny if you've ever seen him hanging out with the other muppets this is where he came from uh you know he's being teased by his older brother but then all of the buddies are getting harassed by this dog that's working on the farm. And it turns out the farmer is being absolutely terrible to this dog. And he's telling him, you know, get rid of these buddies or I'm not going to feed you. You know, if you do a good if you do a good job, I might even give you a name. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That level of of messed up. And, you know, the buddies concoct this plan to deal with the dog. But then they find out, oh, the dog is just the middleman he's terrified of this much bigger badder guy and then they finally you know it starts out with just the one with just being you know the smallest and the one who everyone underestimated standing up all by himself and singing i I got chills like i like when i first watched it i got chills yeah Uh, i know and then slowly the other buddies come and join and because the farmer is allergic to bunnies which is why he wanted to get rid of them in the first place they Cause a sneezing storm and his pants fall down. And it's a very Muppety ending. But, you know, it's a really powerful message. Yeah. One tiny little bunny, one tiny little person singing in song can raise so many voices. Yeah. Again, it's just been so fun. Um, okay. So um, what do you, what were the songs that led you to or or what was your process when you were like you know I want to take actual lessons like it's one thing to have a mm-hmm. hobby and and like well I mean you're pretty serious about it but like like actually studying with someone um what led to that decision yeah singing was always something that I'd been vaguely interested in like when I was a kid and you know you're wondering what you want to be when you grow up like a singer was always one of those things that I threw in as a possibility but it was always one of many, like a singer or an actor or a writer or a marine biologist or right now. Yeah. And I I loved fifth grade choir and I was a little hoity-toity about having this huge range and being able to go up really high. 
And then I didn't really have, I didn't really have a, a structured time and place for singing until fast forward to high school and we're doing a musical and I discover, oh, I've completely lost all of that range that I had and having trouble, like even auditorily distinguishing between notes. And I didn't realize that it was something that, you know, use it or lose it kind of thing. But, you know, that was that was high school. That was. Well, yeah, I, say how long ago. sucks just generally. And, and it's, you know, <laughs> right. Things are growing and changing very quickly in your head. I mean, we've talked about how small all of these muscles are, right? Mm -hmm. And um, man, just be glad that you didn't have to go through what guys do with the voice drop. That's a whole nother oh, level geez, of yeah. like, talk about not knowing, being able to control what comes out of your mouth, being able to hear or associate. Like, yeah. yeah. Growing up is a crazy process. <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah. think as my... Muppet nerdery was growing. I found myself singing these songs, and for the most part, it didn't matter if I was pitchy or whatever because I was the only one there and I didn't really care. But if it was a song that was particularly important to me, then it felt more important to to get it right. And there was a particularly difficult time in my life in the summer of 2021 when my cat got out. She was an indoors-only cat, and she got outside, and it was the first day of this massive heat wave when it was, you know, 114 degrees outside. No. And I spent a week sleeping in the backyard. I just became nocturnal. I would lie awake for an hour and then go walk around the neighborhood calling for her and then repeat all night long. And then during the day, I would try and catch some snatches of sleep inside where the AC was. And I just found myself singing these songs that were so familiar to me and therefore comforting. Yeah. But also these songs that are about, like two in particular, there was um, One Little Star from Follow That Bird. And Moon Moon from Big Bird in Japan. Uh, and they're both about, you know, looking up to the night sky and feeling helpless and lost and looking for answers. And it was that period of my life that made me really want to, you know, learn how I could connect with these songs on another level. And I really did want it to be just for me I was like I had no aspirations of like singing in front of other people yeah and the longer I've gone with taking lessons the more I've been just singing around the house for the heck of it I mean granted living alone helps with that but <laughs> and we've done both those songs did we do mm -hmm. yeah we've done both those songs yeah uh how many Muppet songs are there that you know of do you have do you have a number in your uh, head? I, I couldn't possibly put a number <laughs> on that. So first we have to define what do we mean by a Muppet song? Okay, no, that's <laughs> actually true. Let's let's talk about this. <laughs> yes. So are we including songs that uh, that any Henson associated production has sung, whether or not it was written for something else or originated elsewhere? Or are we just including Original songs 
that were written specifically for that production? Are we only including the core Muppets or are we adding on things like, you know, Sesame Street and Labyrinth and everything else? Yeah. Yeah. What do you what do you wrap in typically? (laughs) (laughs) It's great. I actually had a friend come to me with this this question of like, what counts as a Muppet? And I was like, aha, you stumbled on the age old taxonomy of Muppets problem. For, I would say for our purposes at Tough Bigs, it helps to really include anything under the umbrella term of Muppets that could be associated with the Jim Henson Company or Sesame Street, which Jim Henson was involved with when he was alive, but is not owned by the Jim Henson Company. And nowadays it's, you know, Disney owns like the core cast of Muppets, but not other properties and yeah so i i'm using the term muppets as a broad umbrella term yeah we've done a lot from fraggle rock oh yes yeah that is my very favorite (laughs) as will not surprise you (laughs) what about it makes it your favorite oh gosh um i think because it does have that combination of absurdity and meaning in perfect balance and especially because these are creatures that we don't see in the usual world like they're not you know birds or pigs or frogs or even monsters they're their own unique thing in their own unique world and that really appealed to the the weirdo in me um it was something that i remembered from my childhood but kind of vaguely and then you know would find like a VHS in high school and watch it and go oh my gosh I remember this and all these memories would come flooding back and now of course it's just you know become my hyper focus special interest yeah that's that's become my kind of go-to thing at, at Tough Pigs is I'm the I'm the Fraggle nerd and you know I was I approached uh, tough pigs about doing uh, a Fraggle Rock podcast, and then while we were working on it, the reboot of Fraggle Rock premiered, and Henson approached us like, "Hey, do you want to do a podcast to promote Back to the Rock?" And we went, "Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome." And Joe, thank goodness, uh, Joe Hedis, one of the main guys over at Tough Pigs, was like. Yes, but I have to bring on this gal who you've never heard of, but I promise she knows her stuff. And so at the end of each episode, there's a little five-minute bit where I'm interviewing uh, Hallie Stanford, who is uh, one of the show's executive producers and the president of television at the Jim Henson Company. I'm like, I got to say that I did that. It was so incredible. And so that was Fraggle Talk. And now... We're premiering Fraggle Talk Classic, (laughs) where my co-hosts and I, you know, go through one episode at a time of the original series. Oh, that is so cool. (laughs) (laughs) I love hearing that from people. You know, every once in a while, I'll see something nasty on Twitter about like, oh, my God, it's so embarrassing of, you know, when people are liking things that are meant for children. And fortunately, the rest of the Muppet fandom gives that no yeah water. no no yeah no, no tolerance for that <laughs> oh that's so cool um 
man. So what are some other, are there, what are some other big names? We sort of talked about um, how a lot of these songs have really incredible guests or, you know, the people who have written them. Um, there's just, there's a lot going on. Um, so yeah. I don't know, are there, are there other people that you want to like mention or, or who are, who are notable <laughs> that well, I may I not say, know about? I would say the big two for the Sesame Street songs are, uh, Joe Raposo and Jeff Moss. And like, these are names that, you know, Muppet nerds will know, but you know, if, you know, you just watch Sesame Street as a kid or, you know, th these aren't necessarily household names for right, everybody. Yeah. Um, so Joe Raposo is best known for being green. Yeah. Okay. But then also, you know, he wrote the Sesame Street theme. Uh, C is for cookie. Uh, one of these things is not like the other. Um, of the songs that we've worked on, um, he wrote Little Things and A New Way to Walk. So fun. So fun. Oh, I love that one so much. That's and, that's got that's an example of a celebrity. Um, yeah. So the the original was <laughs> was sung by three pig Muppets and called the Oinker Sisters. It was very much a disco style. Yeah. And so they were, you know, uh Sesame Street is known for its parody song. So of course it was the Pointer Sisters. Of course. But when they you know, redid it for, oh God, it would have been the early 2000s. They had Destiny's Child come and sing it with a few of the Muppets. And that's the version that that we practiced together. And it was very intimidating for me to sing along with Beyonce, but <laughs> uh, it ends up being this one that I feel comfortable singing along to now because I just love that version so much. It's so good. Yes. That's funny because, you know, what did you say his name was that he that wrote all those? That was Joe Raposo. Joe Raposo. It's funny, like, like those are big hits. Like oh, everybody yeah. knows C is for Cookie. Everybody knows Being Green. So it's interesting that we are not as familiar with his name because I would say that mm -hmm. honestly, probably more people know those songs than like some major hits by by superstars. You know, like oh yeah, songs by by major like celebrities you know it's just mm -hmm. funny because the reach because you get you get the kids but then you don't associate that name to it so it's like this weird superstardom without the fame yep. <laughs> where everyone knows your work but no one knows who you are well people know who you are but not not the not at the same level yeah oh, so the other big uh, Sesame Street guy was Jeff Moss who wrote um the People in Your Neighborhood and Rubber Ducky and I Love Trash. Um, but the one that you and I have worked on is I Don't Want to Live on the Moon. I love that song. It's so I great. love that song. I I actually that. So here's the thing. Every time we have a lesson, those songs are earworms and they are stuck in my head. <laughs> oh, yeah. For days. <laughs> But yeah, live on the. I would like to live on the moon. That is a beautiful, beautiful song. I that was one of my favorites personally. That you've brought, um, just such a a lovely look at the joys of going out somewhere and exploring, just to explore. But then you come back to the home that you love and the people who are around you. But it's nice to go other places too. Like <laughs> it's so delightful. Exactly. Yeah. And so another big name, of course, is Paul Williams, 
who, you know, non-Muppet fans would uh, would recognize a lot of his work. But, you know, he was also the guy behind the songs of the Muppet movie and uh, Muppet Christmas Carol and so many others. And yeah, just a, a perfect example of like someone who you wouldn't necessarily knew wrote those songs. If yeah. You only knew him from his non-Muppet works. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's one of those guys. Tiptoe through the tulips. Yeah. 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 You look him up and you're like, oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah. Lots of um, old school country folk. Rainbow Connection. Was Rainbow Connection for the Muppets or was that for? Yeah, it was It was in really? the Muppet movie. It's and the then first it was song in the Muppet the movie. movie. And Yeah. Oh, man. I love And it. I will say that <laughs> I've deliberately avoided working on that one. because <laughs> we. Oh, for sure. We like to roll our eyes over at Tough Pigs that it's it's overused. I, I like. completely, I would, yeah, that's how I feel about, like, um, for Elise, as a piano teacher, everyone wants, every single kid wants to learn that song. And I'm just like, no, <laughs> I have to draw the line somewhere. And then that, yeah, there's some that uh, that I get it. They're overdone. I just, yeah, this was interesting looking at that list. Yeah. Um, Man, so... Is it okay with you if I just bring out some that I have questions about and then just kind of ping some thoughts? Or do you want do you have a couple other people you want to highlight first? Um, yeah, before we change gears, I will yeah. say that my very favorites are the um the duo of Philip Balsam uh composer and Dennis Lee lyricist, who wrote all of the songs for Fraggle Rock. Wow. That's so and many. the tale of the buddy picnic, <laughs> which is what they who sound so great together and, and uh, fit so well. But yeah, that particular combo of these two guys is there's just something magic there. And I think that's probably a big part of why Fraggle Rock is my favorite. Sure. What What is it do you think that you love about them? Oh, gosh. Well, we recently lost uh, Philip Balsam, which was really hard um you know i was thinking back about like how much these songs have been present all throughout my life and shaped my childhood and how i understood the world and my relationship to it and it's so odd to have someone have that much of an effect who you've never met right and i one of the things that's really impressive is the range like you like in fraggle rock alone they cover every genre of music you could name you know you've got country you've got gospel you've got rockabilly you've got you know these sweet waltzy lullabies it's just absolutely everything and then they of course also run the gamut from you know absolutely absurd nonsense to these really deep songs about the meaning of life and, yes, but they do it in a way that's so accessible like the lyrics hardly ever mention the specifics of what's going on in the episode they hardly yeah. ever mention the word fraggles it's just you know universal themes well each song that you've again i kind of expected just because i'm not as familiar i expected i guess more um how do i put it like just more like like light, upbeat, fun, entertaining. 
Yep. Um, and I've I've been like every single song that you've brought pretty much could be like it is its own standalone song that like I could just go sing somewhere, you know, like and and it's yep. not necessarily that people would if they didn't know the song, they would still be able to connect to it, even though they may not have seen the episode or or know the context of it. And a lot of these come from episodes I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm still able to connect to them and, and get something out of working on them. Um, which I think is just so fascinating. Again, my respect for this whole thing has just deepened so much <laughs> working on these with you because um, they are just full, complete songs about real things. Yeah, absolutely. One of and the then you're right. We... Okay, so all of those songs that you just... So all the songs from Fraggle Rock were written by the same guys? Yes. Because like you just said, like legit, like bluegrass and... And rock and schmaltz. We were just talking mm-hmm. about schmaltz. Um, that is an impressive amount of uh, flexibility to be able to write so well in all of those different genres. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, they're awesome. So, yeah, I just wanted to give them a shout out before yeah, we Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the mission of the Zeitgeist Academy is simple. I want everyone to live their best musical life. If your dream includes singing with confidence, I got you. I made a mini online course so you can get out of musical drama and finally understand which vocal elements make you sound good. Banish forever those fears of being out of key, off rhythm, and other assorted mayhem. Step into your best musical life, my friends. Sign up for the free course at zeitgeistacademy.com radio. Okay, so one of the ones I wanted to ask you about, what is... What is Ain't No Hole in the Wash Tub? That one, I just, I need a little context. I know I just said that they're all kind of like stand on their own, but that right. one, I, I... So that's another Paul Williams gem. He also wrote the songs for Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, which was a very unique experience because it existed as a book first, and the titles of the songs were all in the book. Cool. But not the lyrics. They would just mention offhand And then Paul Williams was faced with this challenge of like, okay, now I've got to write a song that's called The Bathing Suit That Your Grandma Otter Wore. And he did it. (laughs) Whoa, okay. So yeah, Ain't No Hole in the Washtub is this absolutely, you know, toe-tapping earworm that's all about, you know, struggling with poverty but finding joy wherever you can that hey as long as there's no hole in the wash tub you're gonna be fine you'll get clean (laughs) (laughs) yeah well boy part of the reason i had to ask was that was probably the worst earworm (laughs) out of all of them it wouldn't go away (laughs) and even like weeks after we stopped working on it and kind of retired it we can always come back later to any of these but um Mm -hmm. Man, weeks later, it would still pop in. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> that was the one that I was so proud to break out at a karaoke night with my friends. Oh, yes. I was, like, hesitant to do anything. And I was like, well, I've been taking singing lessons, but I've only been practicing Muppet songs. And, like, not even the ones that y'all know, like, the deep cuts. And because my friends are amazing, they were like, no, now you have to do it. You have right, to. Right, I was like, right. okay. So I I got up there and I sang with the track because here's the thing. Karaoke tracks of deep cut Muppet songs do not exist. Yeah. 
No, I, I fully believe that. <laughs> yeah. And we'd been working on it enough that I nailed it. And they were just like, holy cow. Oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> it made me so happy, too. Yeah, everybody go listen to it because that's not an easy feat, actually. That's a really, that is an intense song. <laughs> There's a lot to that song. <laughs> oh, awesome. Um, So another one, we kind of talked about New Way to Walk. I, I um, yeah, I just want to mention that one. Uh, but I'm going to go back there someday. Mm. That one is lovely. Can, can you, what is that? What's going on there? So... The original, this is another Paul Williams because it, it's from the Muppet movie. And in this moment, we see Gonzo singing this song just up to the night sky and musing about his place in the universe. And it's at this moment where, you know, the, the bus is broken down and they're not going to make it to Hollywood in time and everyone's feeling depressed and... Kermit especially has this this monologue where he with himself I guess it's a dialogue where he's talking to another Kermit and it fits really well in this in the story of this poignant moment of you know figuring out your place in the universe but also even just taken out of the movie it works totally well as a standalone song you know years ago it was the song that I sang when <laughs> the the one year that I went to Burning Man and I sat at the temple and listened to all these people telling their stories of grief and anger and confusion and you know every once in a while someone would you know lead us in a a joint prayer or they would sing a song or and so when it was my turn I said that you know i I'd, I'd come here to grieve for the um or my sister's stillborn baby my niece that i never got to meet and i found so much healing in sitting with these total strangers and hearing their stories and sharing that grief together that i sang that song in in all my pitchiness and you know past the it wasn't a speaking stick it was a it was a little nerf football <laughs> to the next person and and wrote my niece's name on the temple and oh that's beautiful wow yeah, yeah. well what what's yeah man what stood out to me with that song was some of the covers that you brought yeah cuz it has been covered and it's, it was, yeah, there was one in particular that we kind of based because the range is a little hard. Um, yeah, the Gonzo so, version, it was was not achievable for me at that time. So we, we went with the version <laughs> by, uh, I believe the artist's name is uh, Rachel Yamagata, uh, but it's on the Green Album, which is all Muppet covers. So beautiful. Yeah. Like that that cover specifically really stood out to me. It's just very like, I don't know, very earthy and, and gritty. And I don't, it's, it was just so, that was a really special one as well. I had no idea this whole backstory for you as well, but, um, but you're right that even without the context of the Muppets, it's just a really beautiful, sweet song. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, I believe 
the very first song we ever worked on. Oh gosh, what was it? I'm pulling. Was it Where the River Meets the Sea? It was one. That was one of the first ones. Yeah. The first one we ever worked on was There's a Promise. There's a Promise. I have those two at the same, like on the same, like right next to each other. So (laughs) it was one. Yes. There's a Promise. So why was that your first song? Oh, that's a really good question. Because it was not Christmas time at all. And like that was from the. Well, not the Christmas episode of Fraggle Rock, but the winter solstice episode of Fraggle Rock. Yeah. And, you know, it's all about this theme of, you know, there's a rhythm to life and the natural world and the changing of seasons. And winter can feel really hard, but I promise you that spring is coming. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was very, it did feel very New Year's. And maybe it was just the time of year. Um, you yeah, maybe I figured I'd have start it down practicing. by Christmas. <laughs> yeah, we start practicing. I get pretty sour around Christmas a lot of the times. I, I have really burnt out on Christmas just because mm. as a musician, people don't understand a lot of times that starts in September. Christmas, oh, yeah. practicing Christmas, whatever, whether it's you know, performances, whether it's theater, whether it's putting programs together, it starts way early. So people are like, oh, it's the season of Christmas music and an extended season for a normal person. This is a rant. I will get off my soapbox shortly. But the extended <laughs> season of a normal person is maybe six weeks, right? You, it's normally between Thanksgiving and then Christmas. And, and some crazy people start in, you know, before Thanksgiving. Well, when you've already been doing it since September, I'm just like, Ugh. yeah, enough. So, but that said, you know, it does take preparation. And it was a re- that was a great song to work on um, for kind of like for New Year's. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then right along with it, where the river meets the sea, um, John Denver did that, right? That was a uh, yes and no. So he didn't write it. It was right. another Paul Williams song. It's from. Right. Emma Daughter's Joke Band Christmas. Um, but yes, uh, John Denver sang that with the Muppets in, um, I think it's just called John Denver and the Muppets, A Christmas Together. Or honestly, maybe it was Rocky Mountain Holiday. I don't remember which <laughs> John Denver and the Muppets special it was, it, it appeared in. Um, but yeah, they did a, a beautiful version together. And talk about, you know, heavy hitting grief songs. Like that song is literally all about death. It yeah, so beautiful. Wow, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> oh, seriously? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe because it was the first first ones. I I, I that subtext went completely over my head. <laughs> I'll send you the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, evidently. Well, we could we could revisit it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm I'm counting here. We've so far we've done almost thirty songs. Oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah. And I know that you have a huge list of more. <laughs> oh, yeah. It it goes on and on. And so I, I specifically chose the songs that make me feel something. Yeah. And, it you know, not all sad stuff. Like, I, I do have it categorized into, like, melancholy stuff and fun stuff and sweet stuff. Um, and I, I try to give it a little bit of balance. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm remembering especially, like... Uh, this song we worked on, I'm Never Alone. Yeah. Uh, from Fraggle Rock. Yes. I also love that one so much. Yes. You know, he's he's singing about, you know, how how 
you know, you don't need anyone but you. And it's this this great jazzy little swing number. And I just loved singing that around my empty apartment. You know, I'm living <laughs> alone for the first time ever and just absolutely loving it. Yes, you're never alone because you've got you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's delightful. Okay, I have a, a question I'm not allowed to not ask you. Does yep. Ralph's puppeteer actually play the piano live? <laughs> he does not. Okay. I admit, I did not know this. I had to look up the answer. This was really, really important for me to know, so I sent you this question in advance. Because <laughs> <laughs> so it bugs me, because it looks like he knows what he's doing, but I'm like, there's no way. I play piano. There's no way. But also, he, he looks like he knows what he's doing. It's very confusing. Yeah. So the answer is both. Like, okay. yes, he knows what he's doing, and also he's not actually playing the piano. So when... If if they were just puppeteering Rolf, just like, uh, you know, talking on the on the Jimmy Dean show, then the normal way that you do uh, what's called a live hands puppet, which, you know, any Muppet with, you know, articulated hands like Rolf or um, uh, Dr. Teeth or Moki uh, from Fraggle Rock, you've got one puppeteer puppeteering uh, their right hand in the the head of the puppet and then the left hand. And then you've got a different puppeteer doing just the right hand. And so that in and of itself is is huh. a completely bonkers skill and to be able to coordinate between two humans. Oh but when, when having Rolf play the piano, they would switch to having, you know, Jim Henson doing like just the head and the voice. And then uh, Frank Oz would be doing... Oh, hands. Okay. And, you know, I learned this all on Muppet Wiki this afternoon. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> there was um, a bit by uh, Steve Whitmire, who had uh, taken over the, the role of Kermit after uh, Jim died. And um, he was talking about doing the hands for Rolf and how he would study the piece like in real life. To make sure that his fingers were going where they should be, they even really he was do. Playing on yeah. a piano that made no sound, like okay. they could, you know, bang out on those keys all day long, but the keys weren't connected, so they didn't make any sound. But so yes, the the fingers would be going in their their best attempt at the right places, <laughs> but the the music would be pre recorded. I would sit there and be like, okay, like I'd pause it and I'd, I'd try to look like, okay, are his, do I see fingers under there? No, it should just sound like clump, clump, clump. And I knew it, like, of course it's dubbed. It's going to be dubbed like over, but um, he just, they, they, they're just always in the right spot. And I'm like, I don't know. That tells me something. <laughs> Thank you for investigating that. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> Tell me about some projects you have coming up. This podcast sounds really cool. Are there other projects that you're doing? So this year is the 40th anniversary of uh, Fraggle Rock. And so we're, we've been releasing, you know, one episode at a time reviews on Tough Pigs. And similarly, the podcast is going to be talking about, you know, the original series uh, one episode at a time. But the podcast takes a much deeper dive and you know, talks about more of the the background details and we go off on amusing tangents. And I had thought, well, what if I put the the lyrics 
on my blog and, and talk about those songs on my blog at the same time that that's being released. And I realized what a massive amount of work that is yeah. that I'm not being paid for. So I <laughs> yeah. was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be kind to me and not do that right now, especially because I am super grateful for um, there's an entire channel on YouTube that's just Fraggle Rock songs and lyrics. Like it's each, you know, song individually. And then it's got the lyrics in nice, the description. Yeah. So I'm very grateful to whoever that person is. And I'm like, you know what? I, I can come back to these songs on my Muppet blog at a later date. They'll still be there. I'll still have things to say about them. And in the meantime, I'm mostly just focusing on the podcast and, you know, the occasional article for Tough Pigs. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to build a, a writing career. You know, I'm, I'm working on a screenwriting portfolio. I've got my various uh, middle grade novels that are sitting gathering dust. But right now, you know, this is where my heart's work is. I just keep getting idea after idea after idea. And yes. I'm just so grateful to have found an outlet where I can talk about these ideas to people who actually want to listen to me talk about them. <laughs> Yes, that's when you know you're in the right place. Amen. Yes. Um, just a, a note on the lyrics thing. I think it's really funny that some of these just seem to be like lost. Like, right? Like, this was something that I was speculating about on this podcast is that like back in the in ye olden days of the internet and GeoCities and Netscape, <laughs> there was a a website that had all of the lyrics to all of the Fraggle Rock songs, just ap apropos of nothing. And now this YouTube channel exists, and I'm wondering if it's the same person. And I keep meaning to reach out to them and ask, like, hey, yeah. are you this magical human <laughs> yeah. from back in the day who has the same weird obsession that I do? <laughs> well, was it on a star? Was it on one little star? There was. We've done some where you're like, I think these are the lyrics. <laughs> Those are the ones that I had to figure out myself um, because, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very grateful when other folks are like, you know, here are the lyrics as best as I can figure them out. And I'll go, cool, here's my attempt at that. And if they line up, great. And if they don't, then, you know, I'll like listen back a million times. And sometimes I'm like, oh, oh, they're actually right. It is this instead of that. And sometimes it's like, uh, no, I still think it's this. Yeah. And that's hard. Sometimes you're like, well, it could be either one. <laughs> if no, I've right. done that in other areas. But I'm, I can usually, in, in just in stuff that projects I've done, I can usually go and, and look up the definitive answer. <laughs> right? Yeah. You For a lot something... of these, we don't have the definitive answer. Yeah, which is wild. Well, the answer cause... changes. Like, especially with um, the example that comes to mind is with being green. Like, there are different versions that where the lyrics change slightly yeah and so you know it depends on well which version are you talking about you talking about you know kermit on sesame street or kermit on the muppet show or big bird at jim henson's memorial service or <laughs> the cover on the green album oh my gosh <laughs> uh what's the green album sounds interesting uh that was an album of just muppet covers that came out probably a, a, a decade ago um, that's where that cover of yeah. going to go back there someday came yeah. from. 
Yeah. So is this a compilation? Like they put the word out and we're like, you know, reached out to cele- is it celebrities or is like who who are these people on this album? Yeah, various artists. You've got, uh, let's see, Cake did Ooh. their cover of Manamana. I I I I know how it goes. I could sing it to you right. Now. <laughs> that is so perfect for Cake. Yep. But yeah, I think in that case, Being Green was covered by Andrew Bird. Nice. Well, maybe I'll have to go listen to that because I've been really impressed. Again, some of the the covers and um, and right now, do you want to talk about? I mean, obviously, this is going to change by the time we um, release the episode. But mm-hmm. right now, we're working on the first time it happens. Oh um, gosh, <laughs> we were just working on this recently. Um, right. You want to talk about that song since it's very fresh for us right now? Oh my gosh. Okay, so this is a song from the Great Muppet Caper which many people think is the best Muppet movie of all time. I, it definitely holds a special place in my heart. But this cover is done by, of all people, Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. Who turns out has a great, like, swing style voice. Yeah. Like, he, he's, he's very he's much like a Michael, Michael Bublé sound this up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, added that to my Muppet sing-along playlist and was like oh maybe i could uh, practice that one of these days and turns out it's real hard yes well again yes so many times you've brought songs and this is a a good example of like um and one thing we talk about in lessons is like we want it to sound easy right so that's the goal right so of course it's going to sound easy when they do it but you know some of this stuff is pretty complicated and again they they don't shy away from genre they don't shy away from uh, weird chord progressions or or jumps that are pretty challenging for vocalists or weird range issues where like the first note of the whole thing is like pretty low and then it goes up pretty high <laughs> so yeah um and I really love covers like this that brings something new to the table yeah like if it's if a cover is just you know the original arrangement sung by you know some celebrity then like okay that might you know make some sales but are they really how yeah. how much is it contributing how much to... is it they're making it their own i think that's yeah. why i i know i keep bringing this up but i'm going to go back there someday mm-hmm. they really exactly. made it their own nothing in that sounded even remotely muppetish yep. and but that's what i loved about it is they took it and they made it their own and this one again like you could this could be playing it like you know, like you walk into the mall or something mm-hmm. <laughs> like this could be on. You'd never know if you didn't already know that it's from the Muppets. Um, yeah. This particular version, at least. Um, it could absolutely be someone's like wedding song. Totally. Absolutely. Yes. It would like hands down be played at the like fir- beginning part of the wedding reception when all of the like, you know, all of the generations are there. Yep. <laughs> and they In fact, I know Andrews. someone through Tough Bigs who this was their wedding song, but it was the Muppets version because I don't think this one had come out yet. Right. Yes. Oh, man, that's fun. Oh, that's fun. Any other crazy in- interesting times when you've encountered the Muppets that you didn't expect to? Like, were you, do you see them in interesting places? Uh, maybe not. This is just a question that kind of popped into my head for no reason. Like, like, for example, at a wedding, that's not a place I would necessarily expect to see a Muppet song. <laughs> Well, because in particular, this was a couple of fellow Muppet nerds, uh, that was that piece of information was not a surprise to me. <laughs> and 
someday at my future wedding, there will probably be a Muppet song or 10. <laughs> I have zero doubt in that. <laughs> right. And it will be epic because, again, um, yeah, there's just such, such depth and breadth here. Mm-hmm. Well, I, um, I always ask this final question at the, at the end of every interview. So do you know what zeitgeist means? I remember listening to the intro of your podcast and going, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And now I forget the literal translation. Yeah. Translation. So okay, it means so spirit of the times. So, yes. so zeit is time. And then geist is like ghost, like poltergeist ghost. Yeah. Right, so time ghost. But like the, the translation means like spirit of the time. It's like kind of what it like feels like to be in any particular moment. So like like it mm -hmm. like if you picture living through 2020, there's a very specific zeitgeist that everyone was, you know, versus like in the 90s, completely different zeitgeist. And so I, I have an anthropology background, too. That was my real major. Oh. That makes so, a lot of sense now that I think yeah. about it. So that's why I think this is such the, the I am enjoying so much this combination zeitgeist radio of like talking to people from these interesting subcultures or like, you know, places that people make music and show up. And what is the zeitgeist? So there's a moment that I, I call a zeitgeist moment mm. where you just kind of like there's a moment where you just plug in to whatever that zeitgeist is through music because this is a music focused, you know podcast and, and business here that I have so um so when kind of like when you just when you feel alive through mm. music and connected to something bigger than yourself so that's kind of what I call a zeitgeist moment um what was a recent zeitgeist moment for you oh my gosh so as we're recording this podcast the new series the Muppets Mayhem has not yet premiered but they're going through a lot of, you know, like uh, teaser trailers and, you know, dropping like one song at a time and the album's available for pre-order. And we over at Tough Pigs have been cautiously optimistic for a long time. Like, oh, the Electric Mayhem are getting their own show. This could go really awesome or really bad. And we don't know. And we're going to cross our fingers because, you know, Back to the Rock was incredible and we never thought that would happen. And and, you know, I, I haven't seen it yet. Like we, it, ha it hasn't dropped yet, but, um, you know, I think a few of the, the press have gotten early press access to watch it and, you know, they can't say anything yet except, Hey, I think this is really good. And so that makes me really hopeful that, you know, there's a, a lot of talk about like, are the Muppets still relevant? Should they retire? How long can they keep going? And this is making me hopeful that, you know, we can still get new generations of fans and find ways to keep these characters relevant and, re and reinventing them. Like, they're original puppeteers, you know, half of them are no longer with us. And so then these new folks have got to take on these legacy characters and make them their own, but still somehow stay true to the original. And, you know, these new writers coming on have got this job of continuing these legacy characters, but also with more, you know, 2023 sensibilities. And I'm incredibly 
impressed and grateful when they get it right. Um, I will say that there was a particular moment of the uh, the holiday special of Back to the Rock. Um, so Back to the Rock is not a sequel or a prequel to the original Fraggle Rock. It's It's an AU. It's an alternate universe. And each episode contains, you know, a redoing an original song or from the original series and then one new original song and when this holiday special came out i was convinced that you know the the song that they brought back from the original series was going to be there's a promise because it was the the winter holiday special what other song could it be and what they did instead was they used the final song from the final episode of the original series, which was Magic Be With You. And, you know, the whole message was, you cannot leave the magic. Magic will always be with you. And I started crying. I was like, like at that point, we, we knew that they had gotten a season two. But at that point, they didn't. You know, it was their, hey, if this is all we get, let's give it our all. And that just meant so much to me. That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love that. Well, I mean, like, if working through these with you has been, has told me anything, it's that this music is absolutely still relevant. Like, these themes will never go away. It's part of being human. Yep. And... And even like some of the like the protest song. What year was that written? Like eighty, yeah, something three or four. Yeah, and you brought it to me in like twenty twenty one, I guess twenty twenty two, right in the middle. I mean, there's it's just very very much still relevant. So yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you taking me on this journey. <laughs> Not sure uh -huh. who's leading who here, but <laughs> it's it's very fun for me. So. Beth, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Zeitgeist Radio. To uplevel your musical journey and become a music student for life, join the Zeitgeist Academy by signing up for my bi-weekly newsletter. You'll get exclusive content, blog posts, and behind-the-scenes insights. I love putting it together, and you'll love reading it. Head over to zeitgeistacademy.com slash radio. That's Z-E-I-T-G-E-I-S-T academy.com slash radio. Music for this episode was created by Ian Boswell. Please hit that subscribe button and tell all your friends you found a cool new podcast. See you next time.